What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Yogi Berra. Wait, is that a duo? Nope. Okay, okay. It's one person. Oh, I actually know why you did it this time. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to throw you an easy one here. Oh, this is because I am I love phrases and Yogi Berra has a bunch of great ones. Yeah, things like you can observe a lot just by watching. You, Yeah. And uh, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You know, there's a <clears throat> urban legend that someone asked him uh, if he wanted his pizza cut into uh, eight slices. He said, no, cut it into four. I don't think I'm hungry enough for eight. <laughs> it, I, I have heard something like that. And I've heard him, I've heard the phrase, it ain't over till it's over, attributed to him. I don't know if that's true or not, but... That goes right along with this episode. Yeah. We're talking about terrible advice that's actually great mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. And almost across the board, people get frustrated when you say these things, but they're true. Yeah. Yeah. So. They're, I mean, that's why they're said so much. Um, yeah. And they all seem very obvious. Yeah. Uh, so many times when people are climbing and they're like, where do I go? I'm like, up. You know, and uh, roughly 85% of the time, I'm going to say you're probably right on that one. <laughs> Most of the time. There was, this just occurred to me, there was a time in Vitavu where I was trying to on-site this route called Flying Buttress. It was a 10B, crazy, dihedral, super steep, you know, overhanging both sides, and you're doing this weird stimming. At one point, I was flipped entirely around so I was facing out and down while stimming Hmm. and I'm trying like my gear was all tucked into the corner and I'm trying to feel for a cam and I rack my cams in order but I can't tell what the order is because of the way I'm like all crunched into this corner and I'm like where's the number three to my Belair Uh uh-huh and he goes, feel for it. It's the blue one. <laughs> it's like, really? No oh, shit. And it totally lightened up all my anxiety and I onsighted for that reason. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. I have a, so I have kind of a funny story. It's not climbing, but um, of one of these phrases, that's still one of my favorites. So I was, this is one of my first kitchen jobs. And I'm working with a guy named Lee and... I go to load a whole tray of bacon into the oven because that's how you typically cook bacon and for I mean in a kitchen. That's how you cook bacon all the time. It's a great whole way tray. to cook bacon. I <clears throat> didn't know this was a thing before working in restaurants. You know, I just pan fry it. So toss the bacon in. I say, Hey Lee, how long do I cook this for? And he said, Are you gonna want to cook it until just before it starts to burn? <laughs> and, and it took me like three seconds. I was like, I was like, Yeah, that's good advice. I was like, God damn it. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's pretty good cooking advice. You know, you're going to want to cook it till just before it starts to burn. One of the things that sort of predicated this conversation is Nate and I were looking at research on the internet and I came across a paper that I don't even know if I can say this with a straight face. Like <laughs> this paper was identifying the things that contributed to successful climbing performance. And one of the, one of the factors that most contributes to climbing performance, according to this paper, is the ability to pass cruxes. Yes. Hashtag science. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, you know, if you get good at passing through cruxes, you're uh, you're probably going to be a pretty good climber. <laughs> yeah. They ain't wrong. And if you don't pass the crux, you're guaranteed that your performance will not be successful. Facts. <laughs> and we, of course, we have a favorite of this category that we've used quite often um, from Dan John, who's mm -hmm. been on the podcast before, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. And that is the goal is to keep the goal the goal. Much easier said than done. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a reason we keep repeating it because <laughs> it's still true. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's jump into these, our, our top three here. Um, number one, this one, some people get really upset at this, especially short people. They get upset a lot. <laughs> I didn't say it. You said it. <laughs> I'd like to make that clear on the record. I didn't say that. Um, but if it feels big, get your feet higher. Yeah. Or go bigger. Yep. That seems really obvious, but a lot of people don't do it. Yeah. You know, the first time I got this advice was uh, I was climbing in the red, trying convicted, uh, 13A on the undertow wall trying it and I keep falling at this one move and I was getting really stretched out trying to latch this like kind of smaller edge and falling and then all of a sudden Porter Gerard walks up and this was right when he was first getting <clears throat> back into climbing mm -hmm. and Porter you know bolted most of the red at least you know in the first decade of it being in, in existence and Porter was just like yeah you're gonna want to get your feet up there <laughs> <laughs> which is also how he talks. Um, and I got my feet up and I like sent the next go. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's just a master. Savant. So, yes. <laughs> and I think I was coming with Darian. Mm -hmm. He's just like, I mean, yeah, the move was big. You just need to get your feet up. I was like, you know, I guess that's good advice. Yeah. yeah. And like, you can almost always get your feet higher. Like it may be really awkward. It may be a heel hook above your head. Like it may feel crunched but you almost always have higher foot options. Yeah. What's interesting is I've done a lot of private sessions with people um, who are much shorter climbers, mm -hmm. and we have a drill that we use pretty often called one-size-fits-all, yep. where you climb an established boulder in the gym, and you <clears throat> follow the sequence with your hands, use as low a feet as possible or as feet as far away from your hands as possible. Try to get really stretched out and then you climb it the same way or you climb the same boulder, same hand sequence, but with as bunchy feet as possible. And almost across the board, when I've worked with a shorter climber, I'm like, 
get your feet higher next try? Uh-huh. Or do you think you can get your feet higher? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, I can get my feet higher than you did. <laughs> you know? Why can't you? And I think that it's because they, they're short climbers. Mm-hmm. They've been, they're used to having their feet higher than the average size climber. Yes. So they think, oh, I'm really good at climbing in a small box. Mm-hmm. But the box they're climbing in is just small for an average size person. They're, they're just a small person. Yeah. And yeah. their box, when you know adjusted proportionally, is actually a regular size box that they're climbing in. Mm-hmm. And they've never explored super small boxes because they don't have to. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's similar to really tall climbers not being able to keep their feet as low. Like they don't, you know, and there's a bit, it is a bit more challenging because of levers and they're just so much longer that their body's going to sag away further. They have to keep more tension, blah, 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 tall guy excuse. Um, (laughs) I have no sympathy. You're Uh, only making friends with the average size climbers right now. That's okay. Us Vitruvians. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like... I've seen this plenty of times too, working with short climbers. Like it's one of those things it's like, Hey, you are the shorter you are, the more savvy you need to be with all types of movement. You need to be able to get very extended, but also you need to be like able to explode out of a little cannonball. Yeah. And just cause it looks like you climb bunchy to other people, you know, like, yeah, if a six foot tall guy watches, you know, someone who's five foot climbing, they're going to be like, wow, they use such bunched up beta. But really, they're just climbing for the most part. Right. Yeah, so, they're climbing within their natural boxes, whatever yeah. those are, most of the time. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because when I've watched really tall climbers climb who are really good at leveraging their height and getting really stretched out, when I've remarked on that, very often people are like, well, duh, they're just tall. Uh, yeah. I'm like, well... You might think that, but that's not true. A lot of tall people are not good at using feet that are far away. Yeah. No, and that's kind of what you said with short people and you using higher feet. Like, I love training low feet. That's like one of my favorite styles of climbing. Yeah. And it's not uncommon. I'll climb with people who are, you know, close to about six feet. So a few inches taller than me who I can do more stretched out moves keeping my feet on than them because they've always just relied on naturally feeling comfortable in big moves right and so they've never really explored stretching it yep exactly yeah we we tend to climb in our own box and we don't stretch it out yeah so So, ball it up yeah so if it moves big uh if a move feels too big get your feet up get your feet up number two if you're on a bad hold keep moving yeah this is one of my favorite ones this is uh i was given this advice climbing in the red which there it's maybe more applicable than almost anywhere it's very true there because there aren't many bad holds right <laughs> also there are so many holds that are chalked up <clears throat> um, and everything's like kind of pump oriented mm-hmm. there's going to be a good hold coming eventually yeah so just if you're on a bad hold keep moving but this is true for bouldering it's true for all sport climbing like eventually there's going to be a good hold or you know there's a great rest after you clip the anchors exactly always an option (laughs) you know i like that rest a lot um but yeah if you're on a bad hole keep going which is an interesting thing actually because people tend to freeze when they hit a bad hold yes this hold is horrible i'm like then what are you doing there yeah keep climbing don't talk to me while you're on it yeah people 
you know, this is such a funny thing, especially with handholds. Um, they put so much focus on when they grab a bad hand, they like go even more slowly. They grab it. They really want to crush this hold and move. Like right. everything becomes deliberate and about <clears throat> this one handhold. Their other hand could be on a jug and both feet could be on ledges, but they're going to put almost all of their intensity into this one poor hold, Yeah, which makes sense. Like that's, we have this great like brain body connection between our hand and our mind. And you know, you really like, you feel it. You're like, oh, this is small. I need to really try hard where really it's like, no, just like hit it, move on. Yeah, exactly. And there's also, you know, the, the cousin phrase that I hear a lot of better holds coming. Oh, yep. You know, it's a, it's a really great phrase. You can tell it to yourself. You can, you know, it's a, it's a pretty key thing to tell yourself if you're trying to be an onsider mm-hmm. and you encounter a crux or you're getting pumped or you're having a difficult time. If you can just tell yourself in, in two moves, there's better holds, you know, you may not know it, but if you can tell yourself, it's going to help. Yeah. Um, so I had an interaction with one of my friends, Sarah Brangos, and I didn't remember this story all that well until I found out she had been retelling it basically like twice a year since this happened, like six years ago. <laughs> um, so we're climbing at the dark <clears throat> side and she gets on American Dream. And at this time, she was really kind of scared of climbing. Um, amazing climber, really great, very strong. But she was no, she was more known for down climbing cruxes. Yeah. She yeah. could surpass and then unsurpass cruxes, mm-hmm. you could say, um, <laughs> on like hard rock climbs. You're like, Sarah, mm-hmm. you just up and down climbed that V6 in the middle of a route. Well, amazing. So she gets on American Dream and it's her first go ever on it. And she's on sighting. And I know this route, or not on sighting, like flashing. She just wants to do a first try. Mm-hmm. Goes through, and the first two bolts are like the business. Like once you're off the right. slab, and then it's like maybe eight bolts long. Of and the, just hold on. Of hold on. Holds kind of get better. Yeah. But really, you're waiting for that big rest that comes after you clip anchors. Mm-hmm. So she kind of gets to, you know, gets through the crocs, and she's like, uh, I don't know, Nate. And I was like, keep going, Sarah. Good holds are coming. So she like goes up, gets another clip. I'm like, keep going. They're just going to keep getting better gets up, clips another one. And apparently I did this the whole way. I've also learned this is gaslighting. I think that's <laughs> I think that's the term they use these days. She gets up and she falls going for the anchors, super close. And she was like, God damn it, Nate, like there weren't jugs. I was like, well, there weren't, weren't crimps. <laughs> and what's funny was it ended up taking her like another three or four days to get back to that same high point. Yeah. Because she had tried so hard just committing for the idea of like keep moving. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, it ended up taking her a while to get back to it and to send it. Yeah, totally. I was at uh, the Killer Cave uh, with my friend Scott, and he was climbing on Killer, and he's he's up there pumped. Uh, Ronnie Jenkins comes walking up the trail, which is you know mind boggling seeing Ronnie Jenkins at the Killer Cave out of the blue, mm-hmm. and Ronnie just starts yelling up, you know, jugs coming, jugs coming. <laughs> And Scott just keeps climbing, and when he finally does fall, he's like, "Hey, thanks, thanks for the you know motivation. It was good to know there was good holds coming." And Ronnie's like, "I've never been on that route. <laughs> I don't know what was happening up there." <clears throat> but it's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. If you're on a bad hold, keep going. Jugs are coming. Good holds are coming. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe our favorite, and 
This is something I've said unironically a number of times without even realizing how ironic it sounds, mm -hmm. you know, that it is a Yogi Berra-ism. Yeah. Um, but if you want to climb X, you have to try X. And that could be grade, specific route, you know, whatever the weakness is. If you want to climb steeper things, you have to try steeper things. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Was this, was there a time in your climbing where you felt like this was really applicable to you? Like that was kind of the key you needed to turn? I mean, kind of all the time, really. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I like setting goals, you mm -hmm. know, I like to advance my goals and I'm not, I like number goals. They're, they're easy to set, easy to, you know, kind of measure and, and, point yourself toward yeah um but i can't climb that number unless i try that number and and any time i've set one of those goals it's a grade i haven't been on yeah you know and and half of the crux is just getting myself to go try those things because you know, bigger bigger challenges are intimidating a lot of the time and i mean even now you know, I've climbed a few V11s. My my big goal is V12. I've only tried a couple of V12s at this point. You know, yeah, three, four, something like that. Um, and for me, that's half the crux is just go get on the thing. Um, I don't think I tried. I think I'd been on three five fourteens before I committed to one. Hmm. You know, and it might have been the first one I tried actually. So it's a, it's a tough thing for me is get on something that is the big goal. We tend to like, or I tend to anyway, set big goals that I'm a little afraid of. So stepping into that arena where you're nervous is part of the hard thing for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, for me, I remember when I really wanted to climb 513. Like I had this plan. I want, I was like, okay, I'm going to climb my 50th 512 first. I think I had done like 10, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I just started charging through them, hit 50. And I like kind of had started sampling, but they all just felt hard. Like I would try, you know, one once, like not even going with my own now rule of go to the chains twice <clears> before <throat> you even make any opinion. You know, I'd go like halfway up snooker and be like, it's impossible. Like I needed to go do 50 more 512s, stuff like that. And uh, I ended up reaching out to a buddy of mine, Brad Weaver. And I was like, man, Brad, yeah, I don't know. Like it just feels like this huge jump. I don't really know what it is. And he was like, man, if you want to climb 513, you got to climb on 513. And, you know, it's so funny because how obvious. Right. But I just took it to heart. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I just reset my focus. I was like, my day goal is how many times can I get to an anchor on 513s each day? Like for a short period, that was just my, that was my metric, mm -hmm. you know? And initially it was like, oh, I can get like one and a half times to anchors just because of maybe I was tired. Like, and especially working out new beta at a hard grade is hard. Right. But then it was like, okay, I can get to the anchors three times. <clears throat> now I've sent one. Now I can get to the anchors four times. Now I've sent another one. Kind of things like that. But it very much was... I had to climb on 513 to climb 513. Yeah. Well, climbing is this interesting thing in that we've 
we've made a lot out of how to prepare for the next grade. Yes. And it almost never includes climbing on that grade. It's always like, oh, if you want to climb 13A, you should climb a bunch of 12Bs, a handful of Cs, a couple of Ds, and then get on the 13A. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and preparation for a thing lacks the same pressure as the thing. Um, whether we like it or not, you know, it's much easier to go try a bunch of 12 D's and potentially fail than it is to actually try the 513 that you've put this, you've made this big goal and told your friends about, you know? So I think it's a real trap. And I think this has to be said to get people onto it. And it doesn't mean skip all the other routes and just climb on the grade. Yeah. You know, you're going to be better prepared if you can climb 12C relatively quickly. You're far better prepared for 513, you know, period. Yeah. Um, So you have to prepare, but you also have to put yourself into the arena, give yourself the pressure of actually doing the thing, or you're just going to falter. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think I really like the point you made about how we've built up you know, such a database in this ide ideology around preparing mm-hmm. for the task. Yeah. You know, back when I was breaking to 513, <clears throat> this was the era of, you know, if you want to climb harder, you got to climb more. Like yeah. your 8A pyramid, that's how, that's how you could tell if you're doing things right. Mm-hmm. Like, were you getting 100 climbs in a year? Okay, you're, you're moving the needle. Right. Like, you know, more is more. Um, but now, like, you know, I, I definitely wonder now if I was going to try, if I was in that same position, trying to go from 512 to 513, if I wouldn't be stuck saying like, oh, well, how, how much do I need to hang to climb 513? How much, right. like, what's my deadlift? Like, what are my repeaters? Am I doing enough volume, mm-hmm. like, in the gym? Like, what is my and cap score? All these things. And yeah, it would be, I like, back then I was almost paralyzed by needing enough of a base. And had my friend Brad not been like, hey, you know, if you want to climb 513, you got to climb on 513. Yeah. Had he not said that, I might have just been like, we're going to 100 512s. We'll, right. We'll double it. <laughs> right, just gonna, right. We'll keep doubling until we see progress. Like mm-hmm. until I can just basically onsite 513. Um, and I, I wonder now, just knowing that that would have been my nat- natural inclination then, if I, to, in today's day, in today's day in today's day (laughs) i uh we're both turning into yogi bear right now we are yeah um yeah i wonder if i would have if not given this same type of insight if i would have leaned towards oh well i just need to get stronger i need to get fitter i need more endurance i need to like match all of these other criteria first yeah it it, what you just said makes me wonder how i would have reacted to all the data that's out there now, you know, Lattice has a bunch of data. We've created a bunch of, or collected a bunch of data, um, created data, sort of the same thing. (laughs) And, and there's this ability to say, Oh, the, the majority of our 12 C climbers can hang this amount of time Mm -hmm. or can do this many pull-ups um, or can do a you know a campus slap at this distance. So if if you're far short of one of those metrics, 
we need to get that metric up um, mm-hmm. before you can climb 512 or 12C. That's a, a lot of people will make that leap. Um, we try very hard when we're delivering the data to say, this doesn't mean you can't climb these grades. You know, this is just a rough goal for you to shoot for. Um, it's a good general place for us to start in your training. Um, and maybe it ends up being low hanging fruit for you and we can make some gains by putting our focus here. But a lot of people take it very seriously and they need to get their max hang to this certain number before they can even go try the project that they want to try, whatever their goal grade is. And, and that's just not how it works, but, but we can easily fall into that trap. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very easy trap to fall into, um, to the point to where, you know, I see now like metrics will even be overvalued than pyramids. Yeah. Like the idea of route experience. Um, and this is just going out to everyone who wants to send 13A. Fill in those 12Ds. I see you out there with your <laughs> four 12Cs that you've done and you're jumping to 13A. That's okay. I know you want to, you got to climb on 13A to send 13A, but you need to send those 12Ds. We see you. Yeah. And, you know, even if you're that person who does send the 13A before doing 12D or before doing 12C, even. Mm-hmm you still have the option to go back and that's going to help you, you know, instead of trying to just jump ahead immediately again, you're very quickly going to hit a ceiling. If you keep jumping forward that way, you know, if, if 12 C is still really hard for you, it takes you five, six sessions to send 13 B is going to take a really long time Mm -hmm. in most cases, unless you just happen to find one that fits you absolutely perfectly. So the pyramid is not a bad thing. It just doesn't have to be the only thing. Totally. Yeah. You know, and I think this advice best fits the type of people who err towards the side of over-preparing. Yeah. Like they really want to be ready. They're not sure. Like, you know, should I try it or not? Honestly, you can always just go up the thing. Totally. Let me tell you, as a guy who has gone (laughs) up a lot of hard rock climbs that I had, you know, air quotes, no business on. Right. Like... You know, when I climbed 512, I went up like 513s and 13 pluses. And I was like, you know, I want to feel what this is like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can try it once and then, you know, it'd be like I'd try it, come back two years later. And maybe now it's like I have a shot at it. Right. And that's okay. It's totally. Plus, it's kind of fun to know what that's like. Yeah, totally. Uh, let's, we've got a few um, sort of bonus ones here. Let's, um, they, they don't exactly fit the category of a, like, Barra-ism. Um, let's run through this list kind of quick. And then I have a, a bit of a wrench to throw into the works here. Um, we've got Don't Let Go. Classic. That sh- I mean, that should be an obvious one. If you don't let go, you can never fall. <clears throat> right. And uh, one I really like is Fall Up. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, what other ones do you have there? Uh, breathe. Breathe, yep. That's a classic. Like, breathe is a fantastic one. Yeah, I was just talking with someone the other don't day. Don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Yeah, <laughs> like this shouldn't be a thing, but it's a very big thing. 
was talking with someone the other day. She was like, I hate when people remind me to breathe on a rock climb. I was like, well, you, you hold your breath. She was like, I do all the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, maybe you should just take a breath. Do you, do you pass out regularly <laughs> on rock climbs? Exactly. <laughs> she was like, I already know I do it though. <laughs> but yeah, breathe. Um, try hard. Yeah. Try hard, try harder. Yeah. That is classic, like kind of obvious advice, man. Yeah. It's one that helps me all the time. Like so often, anytime someone's like, Hey, have you tried trying harder? I'm like, no, not, not enough. Yeah. Let me totally. do it right now. Totally. Uh, you have others? Um, no, not, not really. That's all I got. But here's, here's my, uh, here's my wrench to throw in. One of my favorite rappers, maybe my favorite rapper, um, current rapper anyway, uh, POS from Doomtree in Minneapolis. There's a line in one of his songs where he says, it takes what it takes, a little vague, but I'll make it work, thanks. And it takes what it takes is kind of one of these phrases, mm-hmm. but he's right. It's a little bit vague. And I think we can make it work, but we can also make it better. And I think we can make some of these phrases better. They'll never stick. We'll never say them out loud. But I'm curious. Let's run through this list and see how we would make them better. So what about, let's start with the the bonuses. What about breathe? How would you, what's the actual better advice there? Oh goodness, you really threw a wrench in this one. <laughs> um, I mean, the advice is like plan your breathing. Yeah, like breathing is a sequence. Like you can totally. use it to create tension. Like you look at powerlifters; they hold their breath, create a ton of tension. It's also protective yep. tension for them. But you know, there are so many people. You can do the opposite. You can create relaxing breath that makes you move more fluidly. You can time breath. You can like make yourself more stressed, like in a good elevated, like arousal type of thing for competition, but you can also make yourself like less stressed. Exactly. Yeah. I was, I, I used to climb with this guy who I remember watching him on rocket dog, I think at mm-hmm. the mother load, the 12 B thing yep. there. It's got a low, like slopey crux. Yeah. And then you get this surfboard jug that you hang out on. And then it's just like crimp paddling for a while. And he would get through the crux, the low crux, the boulder problem, get to the surfboard and he would relax and he would, it would look like he's sending and it would look like he's totally comfortable. And then right before he would leave the surfboard, he'd go and he would pull onto the crimps and immediately fall. And I was just like, what is happening here? And it occurred to me that he was like, gearing up for super fight it's going to war and he had a few seconds of it and then it was done and once we got him to not do that not hyperventilate and not like get his arousal state to a thousand (laughs) before he pulled into this like you know relatively moderate like 511 crimp paddling Mm -hmm. um once he did that he sent Hmm. so breathing um, can mean a lot of different things. So I think your your cue of uh, sequencing sequencing your breathing is for sure the better way. Yeah, you know, um, so for me, learning the importance of breathing came from, I did yoga for about like six months while I was in college. I did Just, yoga for about 
60 minutes. Nice. It's a good session. It's a start. (laughs) Um, And I had a buddy who, he was like, you know, yoga taught me a lot about breathing through movement. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it was something I'd want to get into. So I, and it was offered through the college. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go do that. Um, Did it for like six months. And it really taught me how to move and breathe together. But was, so here's what was interesting about that. It leveled up my climbing in the sense that I suddenly knew how to breathe continuously for power endurance climbing specifically. And I, a part of me wonders if that's why like that still, like that style for me comes very naturally. Like every move is the same Mm. kind of pace, almost staccato. Sure. Um, And it wasn't until I went to the new and I climbed with uh, Nick Smith and this would have been 2011. And I remember watching him climb on this thing that was like boulder problem, like boulder problem, rest, easy climbing, boulder problem, easy climbing kind of thing. And the way he changed his breathing was so immediate and deliberate. Yeah. I never seen it before in my life. Like he could be on these really smooth flowing steep jugs. And then like you could just hear like a real sharp change in his breathing for hard crocs climbing and his whole body shifted. Mm. Like it went from relaxed to this like tension. And it was amazing because for me, I could, I could stay in this like 80% cruiser zone, like yeah. golden boy style, like. For me, that was just, and it still is just a money zone for me. Like yeah. anytime I find a boulder route like that, like that is just how I'll climb well. And upregulating or downregulating has like always been a little bit challenging. Um, but seeing him just, and I even commented when he came down, I was like, that's amazing. I was like, you can just like rev up and slow down so fast. And he was like, yeah, you do it with breathing. Hmm. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about um, how gymnastics might have affected my breathing. Hmm. Um, because I'm also a person who's, I'm pretty good at the like really downregulated breathing up to 75, 80%. Um, and then upregulating is much harder for me. It's a thing I've really had to focus on and learn yeah. uh, and be really deliberate about. And I think that's because in gymnastics, when you're learning a new skill that's really hard for you, it's by itself. You know, it's it's the only thing you're learning. And then you don't put it into a routine until you have it pretty dialed in, until you've brought it down to 75 or 80%. Interesting. So I was never having to change my regulation much through my routines. I could downregulate in the moments where there's less tension, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, but very rarely going higher than 75 or 80%. Interesting. And that makes complete sense. Like, you know, if you're doing a routine and you're based on, or you're scored based on like kind of how well you're performing it, you're not going to go up near your physical limit. Like it would probably look like trash here. You know, the rate of how your success rate wouldn't be very great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hadn't, I had never considered that. Yeah, and even when like, you know, we watch we watch these like vault, for instance, is a you do one thing and it's done. Yeah. Um so you can try harder things there, but even then in competition, you're not often going to try your absolute hardest thing that you've done in practice once. You know? Yeah. It's gonna be something you think you can land relatively often. Mm-hmm. So uh, what about try hard or try harder? Um, ooh, am I answering all these? 
I can give you what I think about it. Um, yeah, why don't you start on this one? I actually like the cue for some people of try softer. Hmm. Um, so I think, you know, try appropriately. Give the appropriate amount of effort is... <laughs> do the right thing at the right time. Better. Exactly, do the right thing <laughs> at the right time. Um, because some people try hard all the time. You mm -hmm. know, they're constantly giving as much effort as they can muster. When in fact, it might be better to not give as much effort to this section and save it for the next section. Um, I think that's a real problem for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, that just reminded me of uh, our buddy Eddie. He was climbing with Adam Taylor in the red. Adam, who established pretty mm -hmm. much all the hard rock climbs. Eddie went up Lucifer for the first time. And I, he said the whole time Adam was just yelling at him. He's like, stop trying so hard. <laughs> He's like, you just look like you're just trying way too hard on all this. You need to relax. Granted, Adam's <clears throat> a monster. Yeah, he's, um, he has the ability to relax up there. Yeah, but it was also the case of Eddie was just like, oh, this is 14C. I need to, I need to squeeze real hard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're going to link all that together, you need to find the little bit more relaxed method through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tr try try the right amount at the right time. That's that's good advice. <laughs> Real solid. Um, Fits you know, right in here. You know, I think it really depends on the person. Like it, for me, you know, I actually just thought of this and I might make this a new rule for myself, but it maybe is just, you know, every fifth time you pull onto the wall or something like that, try trying really hard. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I default to, can I do this better? Yeah. Which, you know, I don't think is always the worst thing, but I can take it to that extreme. Um, and so it could just be, you know, yeah, checking in every now and then. Or if it's, you know, I don't like number of goes as much, like maybe it's a 10-minute timer. Every time a 10-minute timer goes off, it's like, oh, have you tried hard lately? Yeah, and I think I think it could also be really important to, like, add effort level into the kind of umbrella of better, you know, so... Oftentimes when we hear better, we think of, you know, really smooth and really easy, but, but better also can be just giving a really scrappy high level effort yeah. to this move, you know, so putting it under that, that umbrella is also important. Uh, I think fall up and don't let go kind of end up being the same for me when it comes to making them better because it's not that advice doesn't always apply like sometimes letting go is fine you know if you're if you're working out moves and you know i just worked out this section rather than clip the next bolt i, I want to do this big link so i'm just gonna let go and yep. drop down and i'm gonna you know, try this big link now. Yeah. So there's certainly times when letting go is important. I also think that don't let go has this um, sort of the same same connotation as this shirt that I'm wearing. Don't hold back. Um, and when when Lana suggested that phrase, we debated it a little bit. What? Because there's always a yeah. <laughs> can you imagine Lana and I debating? And uh, because I think there's always a the other side where sometimes maybe you do want to hold back and not give everything, 
you know sometimes maybe letting go is good what if what if it's you know the person who's trying really hard has some crazy expectation they need to let go of you know there's all sorts of connotations where these phrases can go wrong um and falling up i think is one of those as well like maybe now's not the time to be lunging wildly you know maybe that gives you this false sense of oh i just made it half a move further so what i did below this is right hmm. even though you got in a position where you had to lunge wildly because you did the prior move in a bad way you know but you don't notice it because you fell up and that's progress yeah yeah it, i'm reaching here uh it uh i mean you're I like what you're saying. And I but mean, I also like to tear apart phrases. Uh, <laughs> so. It's understandable. I mean, it's they're always going to be, <clears throat> you know, they're always going to be uh, exclusions to the rules. But yeah, you know, if, man, if you're on red point, go. Like, yeah, yeah. Man, I can't say this enough. Like, or an on-site. Or an on-site. Yeah, if you're, if you're in a safe zone. Exactly. You got you know a good layer. Yeah, get after it. Yeah. Like that is more often than not. Yeah. I, I feel like this rule applies to a lot of people in red point mode or on side mode, you know, below that, what you brought up, I think it's important to work out tactics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, make that decision on the ground more than anything mm -hmm. and tell your Belair, tell them to keep you honest. Um, if this is your, uh, significant other, you know, Maybe be careful. Yes. I, I have had a couple belays where... Absolutely be careful. You know, they're like, hey, don't let me take. I'm like, okay. <laughs> they get up and they're like, mm, take, still on point. I'm like, are you sure? I said take. <laughs> All right, we're taking. Okay, cool. That was a good high point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what about if it feels big, get your feet higher? I said what I said. <laughs> I think there are, this is, this is interesting because oftentimes, like if it's a big move, some big moves just work better with your feet lower. Yeah. You know, they can. It's a different kind of jump, um, different kind of big move, different kind of tension. So it's not always the answer, but I think it's good advice to at least work through. Yeah. It, you know, and it is, it's a common one that I feel like I see more and more. And I think that this one I kind of slept on in that we kind of made our list and I was like, oh yeah, like I was thinking about when Porter told me this, but thinking about this now and thinking about climbing in the gym, things are tailored for people so well these days mm -hmm. in the gym. Yeah. Not a bad thing. I love good gym setting. It's fun. It's enjoyable. But often what ends up happening is when people don't have the obvious choice, they're just like, oh, this is bad setting or like, right. you know, right. they're like, oh, well, this just isn't for me. Clearly everyone else can reach and I can't. And this is even just for like people might like, you know, average size humans are saying these same things Yeah, where it's like, oh, well you have other options. They might be a little fucked up, but like they're there mm -hmm. you should probably do them. Um, so I think this one might actually be more applicable now, um, than before even. Okay. I can see that. But wait, so how are we making it better? I forgot. Um, uh, I'm just saying if it feels big, consider getting your feet higher. Okay. Explore that option. Yeah. Um, agreed. 
you know, another way I like to approach this, I used to climb with someone who she was an amazing climber. And I think she was maybe five, three could hold tension incredibly in extended positions. And it's funny because I would like do these moves sometimes and I'd be like, Oh, I don't know if my foot's going to stay on. And you know, maybe I need a higher foot or whatever. I might have to jump. And then she would do it, keeping the foot on. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, hold on. You know, like you are very strong, but my reach is so much further than yours that like my foot should be able to stay for this. Yeah. And I was like, how do you do this? Like, I was like, you are so good at sizing up moves. And she was like, oh, well, what I do is I just climb in from another boulder or I get someone to boost me. I'll grab the hold and I'll see if my toe can physically span. Right. Like, so she'll do this a lot now. Yeah. So she'll pretty much just like act as a human like protractor or just like, you know, a little ruler and kind of like span around and see what can she physically reach. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, like I create this arc with my legs. This is what I can possibly reach. I now have two or three options. Right. Versus, and that's a, I mean, that's a really good way to break things down and just immediately eliminate ideas. Totally. Um, if you're on a bad hold, keep moving. I think you kind of hit this one already when you said, when we were talking about people freezing or people slowing way down, sometimes that's the answer. Like, if it's a bad hold, you have to take in a really particular way. Sometimes you do have to slow down and that's totally fine. Then you keep moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all of these are, if you're on a bad hole, keep moving at the correct pace. Which is fast every time. <laughs> <clears throat> and if you want to climb X, you have to try X. I think we also hit on this one where it's, you know, yes, you have to try it, but you also have to be prepared to be able to climb it. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those things of, if you're wondering if you're ready or not, or if you think you need more preparation, go try it. You know, we talked about in one of the recent uh, episodes, like one of my favorite tactics for spore climbers is anytime you're trying a new route, go to chains twice before you make any sort of judgment yep. on this climb. Like if you do that, because what happens so often, and I mentioned this earlier, like, you know, you go halfway up a route and you're like, oh, I don't know. This feels hard. I'm not sure. Like, you know, if it's your first time on a rock climb, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to learn new things. You have to figure out the beta. Also, it's not uncommon. You might have already done the bulk of the hard bit. You might be victory climbing to the top, and you don't know that if you don't go. Um, Yep. So, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, there are two essays in my book, The Hard Truth, that are seemingly in opposition to each other that are um, advice for for newer climbers or for, you know, people who want to climb harder. I think that's, you know, the, the titles. And basically the first essay says, stop trying to climb harder, you know, master the things you're already climbing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the next essay says, go try the harder, most ridiculous thing that you can imagine, you know, then step it back a notch and try those things. Yeah. Uh, and I think both things are true. Um, it's not just one advice all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's, that's a really important takeaway. I mean, for all of these, like, except for past the cruxes. Yes. You're to be a great climber. <laughs> you need to get good at passing cruxes. <laughs> oh, science. Yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but 
Yeah. You know, I mean, there's going to be gray area with all advice. Yeah, exactly. Following following any one of these things to its extreme end is not going to be helpful. But, you know, learning when to lean on them, that can really get you a long way. It's like, honestly, just even, you know, I've met people who've taken falling upward to heart to such an extreme that it's like, man, you have awful, awful tactics. Yeah, totally. But I'll be damned, you commit. Yeah, like they're like always trying to slap the buzzer. Oh man, they go for <laughs> it. And they get, they just get by them on the skin of their teeth so yeah. often. And it's amazing. They're just the scrappiest climbers there's ever been. Uh-huh. You know, you got to remember... Uh, Dahlia. Uh, Dahlia. I was... Oh God, I was going to say... Shout out Dahlia. Sometimes as you're... As they're Belair, you're going to have to remember their beta for them. <laughs> Shout out Dahlia. <laughs> but man, they're going to like... There is no lack of effort there. And no. it's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, I love it. So yeah, you know, take these, figure out where they can be helpful. If you find one that really resonates with you, tell your partners. Tell them to remind you. Like, man, I try and do this with my partners. Like, hey, if you see me just stuck in, like, the infinite wheel of beta processing, tell me to try hard. Yeah. Like, because for me, that's that's the switch of, oh, yeah, we're operating at, like, 70%. Let's just try really hard ones. Yeah. I may be able to just do this move and get this done. Right. Like, I've figured out 15 options now, but the 16th option might be the better one. All of them are like a quarter of a percent <laughs> different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and if you have other, you know, terrible advice that's actually really great advice, um, post it on the Instagrams yeah. and, and let me know. You know, we'll, you'll, you'll be able to see the post for this episode and let us know if there are ones we forgot Uh, i would love to hear them and uh you know where to find us powercompanyclimbing.com you can find us on all the social medias at powercompanyclimbing and um give us some terrible advice on the twitter we're not going to take it because we don't tweet we scream like eagles this time, 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 this